Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars podcast coming at you every single Saturday, giving you the latest Star Wars news, our top uh, threes and our news and discussions, followed up by our famous or now infamous random spotlight. Hope you've all had a good week and that you've listened to episode 14 where we went through some really good stuff around Snoke and all that lot. This week, as I mentioned uh, last week, Mark is off on his travels. He's doing stuff, probably looking for more boiled eggs. Uh, to have for his tea, um, which um, he didn't find last time, apparently. Um, but this week we have a special guest, one of our patrons, in fact. Uh, please welcome Mr. Tom Tate. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited to be here on the show. I was going to do my absolute best British uh, accent impression, but it's so <laughs> terrible that I decided not to do it, and uh, I'll leave that to Mark. <laughs> uh, yes, um, yeah, we we fail typically accents all the time, so I, I get where you're where you're coming from with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll stick with my uh, my my Philadelphian dialect <laughs> over here. <laughs> Very cool. And you're a supporter of the show, aren't you? I am. Yes, yes. Um, so I've been a big fan of uh, a lot of Mark's podcasting uh, content. I'm a podcaster as well, so I've been following Mark for a while. Uh, but I'm a, lof- a lifelong Star Wars fan. So as soon as I heard that this show was uh, kicking off, I wanted to definitely support. And I've been a huge fan ever since. Uh, it's a perfect fit. Sounds good. Definitely. Uh, coming up in today's show, we have some news around the Mandalorian, a little bit around uh, some gaming and a crazy figure that one of the early Kenner collectible figures went for in auction recently. Uh, and as Tom is a big Star Wars uh, gaming fan, uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to do a, uh, a a gaming top threes, if you like. We go back our early shows of Spark of Rebellion when Mark and I weren't covering news. We were just doing our sort of early batch of recordings. We went through these top threes and stuff. So they're really good fun. So I've asked Tom to put together his three, his top three Star Wars games on any console, any time. So we're going to go through those. And then our random spotlight is gaming related also. And we'll come on to that uh, in a little while. Uh, in the meantime or in between shows, uh, the best place to find us will be on any podcast app that you prefer to listen to. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion and you will see us on there. And we're also on all the social stuff, so Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. You'll find us on there. Uh, So don't uh, miss a show, and it lands every Saturday morning when you subscribe. So kicking off with... uh, Actually, before we get into the news... um, just tell me a little bit about your journey with with Star Wars, Tom. Because you, you said that you're a, a lifelong Star Wars fan. What's your what's your earliest Star Wars memory? So my earliest Star Wars memory, you know, it might actually be similar uh, to one that you mentioned on the show not too long ago. I started with Empire Strikes Back, um, and I, I remember watching it on television. Actually, so I remember watching that on television and just being completely fascinated by this this world 
that was being created. And I went back and I watched A New Hope uh, and finally kind of finished the whole series. Uh, I was born in the mid 80s, um, so I, I missed the theatrical releases. Uh, but I, I do remember specifically going to see uh, one of my finest Star Wars memories was going to see, of all things, I believe it was Adam Sandler's The Waterboy. Uh, I remember going to see that movie specifically because they were debuting uh, a trailer for episode one. Um, and I just remember watching that episode one trailer and just being completely um, just awestruck. Obviously, the movie uh, didn't really pan out to be as awe-striking awe as, as uh, many people hoped. Uh, I still have a a uh, soft spot for that movie, but, but yeah, I've just, I, I grew up loving the movies. Um, obviously we'll talk about video games. I'm a huge gamer and I've, I've loved playing star Wars video games. Uh, the music, the books digging into the lore. Uh, I'm just a, you know, typical star Wars geek. I, I love consuming as much as I possibly can. So you, you're just into star Wars all the way <laughs> from a, a young age. All the way. Yeah, definitely from a young age. Um, and you know, just been following along ever since. That's ah, awesome. Awesome. Uh, I know what you mean about the trailer for episode one. I think that was a, a, a popular thing back in the day when loads of people went to see all these random films just to see the trailer for episode one. And I think there was quite a few cinemas where a load of people left. So when the tra- when the trailer had finished. Right, right. Yeah, they just <laughs> they walked out like they had their they've had their Star Wars feel for a minute or so. And they've just it's, left. It, so. <laughs> it's funny to, to look back on those pre-internet days where you you know, there wasn't this big, you know, release on the internet where you just kind of went to uh, YouTube and just watched the trailer on your own time. It was an event, you know, when a big trailer came out, it was a big event. Uh, I kind of miss those days, to be honest. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They're they're really good. And now they kind of isolate them, don't they, in the big events that we have, like Star Wars Celebration and uh, San Diego Comic Con, those big events, they, they kind of isolate them there to get as much fan exposure as possible. You don't get these little mini turnouts at cinemas as much these days yeah and you enjoy those i mean everyday fans like us who don't have the benefit of going to those big events you know we enjoy those by ourselves you know in our own homes uh or you know watching on our cell phones but i do remember like seeing people i was i was young at the time but i remember seeing like older fans kind of dressed up just to go see a trailer and it was you know a big celebration of the fandom that you don't really see on uh, you know, everyday events like that. But it was it was cool. It was cool. Yeah. And let's hope they they continue to do those because in a way it's it kind of pulls in a load of people into the cinemas and theatres and so on that you might not necessarily go I imagine not everybody leaves. <laughs> there might be a, a group of Star Wars fans that have no intention of seeing the film and they'll make it clear. You know, they'll be like, I'm only here for Star Wars and then they'll leave. But if everyone else can stay and watch a film of some kind, then it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, shall we crack on with some news? We've got a few bits to talk through. The first one is, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on whether to be surprised or not. Uh, part of me thinks that, yeah, this is a given, but the other part of me thinks, well, based on some of the films that we've had, or a couple of spin-offs, they would have maybe dipped their toe in the water a bit longer with this one. But essentially, John Favreau has revealed that the season one on The Mandalorian is now finished. That's all kind of done. And I imagine that they're doing post-production work on that, ready for uh, broadcast on the Disney Plus service, I believe, at the end of the year. And he's already revealed that he's writing and working on season two. And that's already in pre-production. Uh, so a part of me thinks um, 
that yeah, this is kind of because there's so much money behind Disney and Star Wars, they can afford to just get all this rocking and rolling. But a part of me thinks with what happened with Solo, um, that they would maybe just get the fan reaction and see what's how this pans out before they pump a load more. Because apparently the the budget for each episode is huge for this. Um, are you looking forward to The Mandalorian? Is this a surprise to you? Or are you just like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen? I'm very much looking forward to The Mandalorian. I'm also excited just for Disney Plus in general. Uh, I'm really, I have high hopes for the actual service. I'm a little surprised that they preemptively greenlit season two, to be honest. I think what you mentioned about Solo, uh, kind of having these big expectations for Solo and potentially creating a sequel to that. And it looks like we're not going to get that anytime soon. The Ryan Johnson trilogy that was often talked about, uh, I believe, you know, he even started production or writing on writing that actual trilogy. And it seems like that was scrapped based on some uh, fan reaction and response to uh, the last film. You know, I, I would think they would wait to see what happens uh, with with the Mandalorian before saying, let's do season two. But, you know, if it's going to be kind of one of the tentpole series of Disney Plus, maybe they're just putting all their eggs in this basket just to kind of keep things moving. Uh, and, you know, so that it's not Mandalorian comes out and then we have to wait three years for season two or two years for season two. Like maybe they really want to fast track it so that it feels like a steady flow of content. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably on the money, actually. I think it, this feels quite Marvel as well. I think in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they they do this thing, what they've done for a few years now, where one one of the films lands, and then immediately afterwards, or or shortly before it launches, they'll do an announcement and say, right, the next Marvel film is this, or the next project is this. So there's like a constant stream of of stuff, essentially, that's coming out. So I think that was my other sort of the 50% of my brain that was sort of yeah i expected this um but yeah like you the other side of me was thinking yeah you never star wars fans we're a funny bunch sometimes it's um it's not a given and that was shown with uh with solo and also rogue one to an extent where you you can't just stick a star wars badge on a film and expect it to make billions of dollars and and do very well so i i was hoping that we would get this announcement at some point it's just quite quite surprising to have it this early on but good news you know nonetheless that we're going to have more content coming through on disney plus it's only a good thing i suppose yeah totally and you know i'm kind of curious too how the average or non-star wars fan is going to connect with this particular series because obviously we're not seeing you know luke or ray or chewy kind of be be highlighted in this particular series you know so the average fan is not going to see their favorite characters. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how um, the average person really connects with the show. Absolutely. Yeah. It will be one for, yeah, it, it depends on how much stuff they include in it that relates to the rest of the Star Wars universe, I suppose. If it's very familiar, you know, if they put some cameos in there or locations that are familiar from the main films, then that might help a little bit. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It would be a real test of, a real litmus test for for Star Wars casual viewers or fans versus the hardcore fans that will look at every single tiny detail and try and dissect everything. So yeah, The Mandalorian season two is already, well, I can guess we can call it greenlit. Um, yeah, which is cool. Uh, in other news, we have uh, some gaming news, actually. The I'm quite excited about this one. The remember the old days of LucasArts. 
I, I sure do. We'll, we'll be talking about that plenty in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the old, the good old days of, of, of LucasArts where they didn't outsource the license for their games to other studios. They just did pretty much everything in-house. There's kind of a shift happening at the moment with, with Disney. I think they're paying attention to a lot of the fan feedback that's been out there for the past couple of years, that the, the quantity and at times the quality of the Star Wars games that we've seen from EA, who currently hold the license to distribute all the Star Wars games, or most of them, has been fairly questionable. Uh, I think they've held the license for quite a few years now. Uh, I think it's been uh, seven years, maybe eight years that they've had it for. That sounds about right. Yeah. And all we've seen in that time is a couple of Battlefront games, uh, a string of cancellations, and I think a handful of of mobile games. I'm not even sure if they're EA, to be honest, but the, the content has been very thin on the ground. Uh, and so I think Disney are paying attention to this. So they've, I've, I've heard a few other news um, rumors and stories around this subject over the last month or so. Uh, but now Disney have come out and said that, uh, yep, yeah, we, we kind of hear what you're saying. We're going to try and look at our portfolio and what we're going to do about games in the future. So they, they've they've headhunted the, uh, the guy that used to be the portfolio executive over at PlayStation, uh, John Drake is his name. He's now hired as the vice president of game licensing, which is really good news because uh, at the moment, the, the the video game side of things has kind of felt like its own little bubble for the last few years. There hasn't been too much going on. And, the, and like I said, EA have just cancelled a load of games. Some of them sounded really cool, actually, but... They've cancelled a bunch of them. So now it feels like they're trying to bring some control back into Disney. And uh, I did read a story recently that LucasArts was being um, sort of re, uh, you know, rising from the ashes uh, to, to reinstate some of its own in-house development. So this could be great news in the future. I don't think anything's going to happen immediately. It sounds like this is something that they're building up to, that they're going to start to sort of build their own internal portfolio. But good news, Tom. I definitely think this is good news. I think that Jedi Fallen Order is going to be kind of the turning point for EA in terms of can they successfully put out Star Wars titles. Uh, I know that the Battlefront titles, you know, they're for some people and not for others. I've never really connected strongly with the Battlefront titles. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what Drake is able to do in terms of connecting with developers who can really dive deep into uh the star wars universe you know maybe there's a mandalorian crossover you know at some point into into the video game world um maybe we'll finally see a really strong game based on the clone wars Uh, i think there's a lot of opportunity uh and it would just be awesome to see somebody explore that in a creative way that isn't ea which i think has played it pretty safe um over the years definitely i think you've nailed it there they've played it safe and I think too safe for for the most part. I think uh, one of the main threads that we saw over and over again was that they didn't want to invest in, I think they called it dead-end games, essentially. they Where you have these really, I mean, they can be amazing, these single-player experiences where it's just a campaign and there's no huge multiplayer thing going on that extends its life, like Battlefront and Battlefront 2. And they felt that that was a kind of, well, it, it, to them, it felt like a dead end, essentially. Like people buy the game, 
they play it once and it, you know they don't hear anything about it then so i think that's a bit of a a short-sighted view on it to be honest with you because there have been some great success over the past couple of years with that type of game if we think about spider-man on the ps4 that's uh that's a an, an amazing game and it's single player only but it had a few dlc packs launched at it and they've updated it a few times over the last few months there's like additional suits that they've dropped in and so on and that's an amazing experience and that's got really high replay value over on the reddit for spider-man that's always got new screenshots and people playing through again so i think if it's done correctly and also i think one of the one of the writers from the old uncharted games was on a star wars project at some point i thought um amy henning i think her name was uh that yeah that project could have been amazing if we had like a drake style uncharted star wars vibe game that could have been brilliant but i think ea you're just looking at the dollar signs too much i think sometimes yeah and then if you look at some studios like uh bethesda who who put out the new version of doom and wolfenstein i think that there might even be an opportunity for like a dark forces um reimagining you know like a first person shooter that is that is really story driven um i think that that would be really fantastic uh but yeah if if drake is able to bring us drake uh that would be fantastic too i'd be really excited (laughs) for that yeah because ah the old dark forces tom yes so good so good come on yeah so there we go and i think bob Iger, the um disney ceo he sort of chirped up uh early on in the year actually and did say that yeah we've tried our hand at lots of different things we've bought studios and sold them and uh we've tried different development workflows and all that stuff it's just not really panned out the way we wanted it to so uh, that's why they got into the licensing side just give all that stuff and responsibility to somebody else and uh, unfortunate well is unfortunate i'm not sure if unfortunate is the right word but they gave it to ea <laughs> um to do that but there we go so yeah we'll see what john drake does let's see if he can build anything over at disney um yeah could be cool uh, and in other news, last bit of news, um, this one is a real uh, kind of frivolous. I mean, if you're a serious collector of the really old Kenner Star Wars figures from the 70s, uh, late 70s and early 80s, this one will float your boat. It's the uh, any any collectors of the old figures will know of a certain Boba Fett figure that Kenner produced. Um, that was a bit of a hazard for young kids. So they had this uh, uh, Boba Fett toy figure that fired a rocket off of its back. And I think they made, I think they only made a small amount, maybe a hundred figures. And they essentially got it to prototype phase. So the the figure itself wasn't properly colored or, you know, manufactured to a quality. It was these light gray or, or light blue figures. And they're so, I think they're, Correct me if I'm wrong, you might know this, Tom, but I think they're the most sought after or rarest of the original Star Wars figures, I think. I'm not sure, to be honest. I've never, I don't have the funds to dive deep into this world of collecting. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd probably know a little bit more, but I've kind of avoided it just because um, I know what a rabbit hole this can be uh, for both, you know, my mind and my wallet. <laughs> so I've kind of avoided this. But yeah, I, you know, looking at the, um, and we'll get into this in a minute, but looking at how much uh, this figure sold for, I I would guess that you're right in, the, in that case. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think this this rare uh, Boba Fett is is the rarest, I think, of the Star Wars figures. Anyways, uh, Hakes uh, or, or Hawks Auction House recently had one up for sale, and there's two 
there are two variants of the early prototype figure. And they had the uh, something called the L-slot prototype. So the mechanism on, on FET's back that actually fires the rocket. Uh, I think the, the, the little plastic clip thing that you, that you push in or you push down to fire the rocket. I think one of them's in an upside or a backwards L. But they also do another variant, which was the J-slot one. But uh, not to get too technical, but they sold the L-slot one for $112,000 auction yeah that is just an incredible number in my opinion (laughs) yeah it's i mean you can you can certainly see the appeal i mean if you're one of these serious collectors and missing from your collection is the early prototype uh rocket firing fet then of course if your wallet allows then you're going to do that but um my uh collecting for figures only stretches to about a dozen of the black series figures at the moment and I'm already very choosy about those figures because I don't want to blow up my wallet too much. So I can only imagine whoever bought this figure coming home and then wifey's like, so what did you buy today? Yeah, <laughs> I hope yeah. you haven't, haven't spent too much because, you know, we're on holiday next week, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> and And I would think that these figures are going to hold their value or increase in value over time. I can't imagine anything being released uh, by Star Wars that will devalue, you know, these collectibles. I can't see that happening. I mean, the the collector's market, as far as I'm aware, has been pretty consistent uh, for many, many years. And I can't see that that stopping, really. Um, The only thing that is is potentially a a spanner in the works is uh, Hasbro. Uh, They recently produced this line of toys. They were called the... Uh, I think they were called the Retro Line, and they essentially manufactured these. I think there were six figures that Kenner ori- originally launched, like their very first line. Um, but what they've done is they've manufactured them to look like those very early, rough and ready, not quite got the likeness right figures. Uh, and they've slapped a retro sticker on it. But they're very difficult to distinguish between... I mean, there are some telltale signs. I'm, I'm no expert. I imagine if you're an expert in these things, you would look... You know, take one look and be like, well, that's not the original one I can tell. But uh, but Hasbro seemed to be sort of hell-bent on re-releasing all of the classics in the classic style. So ultimately, we're going to end up with just thousands of figures out in the wild that people that are not into it too much will look at it and go, oh, well, that's the original line. You know, I picked that up for a good price. And it's like, oh, sorry to break it to you. That's one of the 2018 models or whatever. <laughs> so there you go. If you're after a, a FET, uh, early prototype L slot or J slot. I think the um, the same auction house has got one of the 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 J slot, which I understand is even rarer than the L slot. Uh, they've got that coming up for sale uh, later on. Um, but keep an eye out if this is um, if you've got just buckets of cash just lying around and you fancy uh, maybe this is your first entry into the old Star Wars figures. How about that? That would be amazing. Like. All of your mates have been collecting them for years and haven't got one, and he just rock up with like a an early prototype fet just on his own on the shelf. Like, there you go, lads. That's my collection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that and I'll build from there. So, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes actually to the auction house because you never know if any of our listeners are have got that amount of money. Um, you can check it out and and maybe get one. I don't know. Um, there we go. Star Wars news. Uh, there and done so we're going to move on to our we normally do uh, news and discussion at this point 
But as I mentioned earlier, we're going to scrap that and we're going to do, uh, Tom and I are going to do our top three Star Wars games of all time. So this is any platform, any time period, whatever you like. Um, guest first, after you, Tom, what's your, your number one? Yeah, so this is my number one, number one. This is my absolute favorite Star Wars game of all time, and that is the Empire Strikes Back uh, for the Super Nintendo. So I think technically the title is Super Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Um, it was released in 1993 uh, for the Nintendo, Super Nintendo or Super Famicom, if that was your console. I mentioned earlier that Empire Strikes Back was the first Star Wars film that I saw. And I think to this day, it is still my favorite Star Wars film. I, I'm not going to say that it's the best Star Wars film, but it's definitely my personal favorite. And I think one of the reasons behind that is the locations in this film are awesome and very diverse, right? So you have uh, Hoth, Dagobah, Cloud City. These are all really interesting locations. I, I felt like I felt like A New Hope is a little two-toned. Um, you know, you have a, uh, a lot of tans and a lot of grays and darks, and I feel like there's just so much color and so much life uh, in Empire Strikes Back. And you get to really explore a lot of that in this game. Uh, you get to explore all these different areas. And obviously the game takes all different types of creative liberties. You're exploring scenes and areas that didn't really exist in the film. Uh, you primarily control Luke. It's a side-scrolling 16-bit game. So you're, you're going through, you have your lightsaber, you have your blaster. Uh, you're just kind of mowing down enemies. You also get to control Han and Chewie, and I thought that that was really cool in this game too. So it wasn't just kind of one character uh, that you were controlling throughout the whole thing. Uh, you open up on Hoth, you fight the Wampa, uh, you fight the giant Imperial probe droid, which I thought was awesome uh, because I, I think you guys mentioned that in a couple episodes ago uh, of how this is an interesting character that just kind of appears in that one scene. You don't really see him too much. And here he is in this big boss battle in uh, Super Star Wars. Um, but you also get to fly ships. So there's a scene where you get to fly the Snowspeeder in Hoth. Uh, you get to ride the Tauntaun, which is really cool too. Uh, later in the game, there's a boss that is the carbon freezing chamber generator, which I thought was really, um, you know, this fantastical way of kind of reimagining that scene uh, where Han gets frozen uh, in the carbon freezing chamber. Um, you go up against Boba Fett, Darth Vader. There's all different types of, of characters uh, that you know, get inserted into this game and, and you get to play the hero. Uh, it's just such a fun little adventure. Um, technically, it did some really cool things on the Super Nintendo. It used uh, the Super Nintendo's Mode 7 feature, uh, which allowed it to kind of create that that pseudo 3D effect when you're piloting some of the ships, uh, including the speeder. Uh, so I remember uh, the Nintendo 64 had a really great um, scene uh, in uh, Shadow of the Empire, right, where where you get to pilot the Snowspeeder. Uh, but the precursor to that was actually this game, uh, and, and it did such a fantastic job um, kind of putting you into that scene and really immersing you into the experience. Uh, so I love this game, uh, and I love this style of game. I wish they made more of it. You know, like if, if there was a retro-style 16-bit reimagining of some of the newer star wars films i would i would be all about that you know give it to me for 15 or 20 bucks uh and i would definitely play that i feel like what we get now is, is the lego uh incarnations of star wars games uh whenever a new film comes out but i think like a side scrolling uh platformer adventure type of game would be a lot of fun to dive into uh for something like the last jedi 
um, or um, you know any any of the newer titles uh, solo like it would just be a ton of fun so that's my number one uh, Empire Strikes Back for Super Nintendo Wowzers that's uh, I I have memories of this when I had my in fact, I'm, I might have got this shortly after I got my Super Nintendo. I think all of my friends got a bunch of consoles before I did. I think some of my friends had the the Mega Drive, which I think you guys called it the Genesis, I think. Yeah, so I think a bunch of my friends, had, they had uh, Mega Drives and, and SNESs. And I think I was late to the party, but I remember very shortly after getting my Super Nintendo, getting Super Star Wars and just being glued to it for hours and hours it's such a i'm glad it's on your list it's such a cool game and uh yeah and it, it definitely feels it's got that cool mix of it's got that cool mix of fast-paced action because the the it's predominantly a platform side scroller isn't it and uh yeah and uh it's got that nice sort of pace of there's lots going on you, you don't sit around for any period of time you have to keep moving and it, it gets you through the levels relatively quick but the thing is, it looked very cool, even just for a for a side scroller. It just looked at the time, anyway. <laughs> it looked really, really cool. So, a very cool choice, mate. It's um, yeah. And you mentioned the uh, the chip that they put in the SNES as well. What was that? That was the uh, yeah. So that was called the Mode Seven. Mode um, Seven. Yeah, it was just a, a feature of the Super Nintendo that you know a few games made use of, but when it when they did, you know, you really had a really cool you know, kind of 3D effect. Yes, I think it enabled the the game to resize sprites, I think, on the fly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a very cool effect and you noticed it in this game for sure. So, cool. Super Star Wars, Tom's number one. Uh, my number one uh, is going to be one of the first Star Wars games that I think pushed me over the well, I think at that point I hadn't played a video game in one sitting of this long until I got this game. And that is uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast, which I got on the PC. So back in the day, I think we're going back to, oh, crikey, um, uh, must be like two, like 1997, 98, something like that. I decided that it would be a great idea to get into PC gaming. And I thought, yeah, this is pretty good. And, um, Saved up a load of cash. I managed to build my own PC. So one of the first games that you obviously get is a Star Wars game. And that happened to be uh, Jedi Knight 2. And this game, literally from the opening cinematic, which isn't too long. It's, I think it's only about two or three minutes. And then it plops you into, into the action. It's a first-person shooter. And it concentrates on... Uh, it's very EU. It's not... Um, you know, none of it is set in, in canon, so to speak. And it focuses on the character of Kyle Katarn, and he's um, uh, he's uh, a Force user. And uh, this game picks up... There is an earlier game, obviously, Jedi Knight 1, um, which I, I didn't play until a year or so afterwards. Uh, but the, the, the game features uh, around a single-player uh, experience, mainly Kyle Katarn, and first-person shooter, you go through tons of levels. It felt like a really huge game at the time. Um, but when I installed it and loaded it up, that was me stuck to my chair, I think for about five hours, I, I think. Uh, it was one of those games where it just immerse it like the immersion is crazy and the atmosphere within the game and they, they just seem to manage, um, they managed to nail the, the, the feel of Star Wars 
even though you weren't playing as Luke or Han or any of the mainstream characters, it just felt like uh, you were just in that world. Like everything was everything was different but familiar at the same time, if that makes sense. So it had a bunch of characters from Star Wars that you would recognize immediately, like Stormtroopers, um, some of the Empire naval officers and that kind of thing. And the, a lot of the ships were familiar, like some of the um, Imperial shuttles and all that stuff. But the music, they had all of like the best atmospheric themes from John John Williams' score. All the weapons sounded exactly like they did from the film. And a lot of the environments were there. They had a couple of little probe droids knocking around. But it just felt like you were in the world of Star Wars. And you were doing, I think that was the magic to it a little bit. Because you weren't playing as Luke, like a famous Jedi or anything like that, you were like your own character out there somewhere that... And like I said, it's it's not canon, but it felt like you were contributing to the overall story of Star Wars. You were just in that world, so it's an amazing, amazing game. And I think it's um, I think it gets a lot of love still. I think there's a fairly decent online community still because uh, there is a multiplayer version, so you can jump in and um, like the lightsaber battles are very, very cool. There's tons of mods that people have made over the years, and I believe that the the multiplayer thing is still still going so um did you get to play this one tom at any point so i i did not play this one but i did play star wars jedi knight the first one because that was dark forces 2 so i i do remember being a huge dark forces fan so when dark forces 2 uh, star wars jedi knight was released i picked that up quickly and that also um sets you in with the character of kyle katarn so you are you know primarily playing uh, a precursor to um, uh, the second Jedi Knight game. So it was, yeah, fantastic. That first one was a fantastic game. I'll have to go back and see uh, if I can if I can play the second one on any particular console today. Yeah, I don't think you can... I, you can get it for the Mac and the PC, um, but I'm not sure about a console, um, and unless they do like a remaster version. That would be very cool. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my number one. If anyone has not played these games, I know you mentioned you played um, Dark Forces Two. Um, that was what we were talking about earlier, like the, the good old days of LucasArts, where they just pumped out a, a whole series of amazing Star Wars games. This slots in there very nicely. So if you've not played this one before, go and check it out if you can. It's on Mac and PC. Uh, I think you can get it on Steam, like the online uh, marketplace. But yeah, uh, Jedi Knight Two for me yeah and you know that kind of ties to with what we're talking about with uh jedi fallen order where you know when you step into the shoes of a star wars character that isn't your mainline star wars character you know like like luke uh or han i think it gives you the opportunity to if they do it right and they do this kind of single player story driven experience if they do it right you get that jedi knight 2 jedi outcast feel where you feel like you're a key contributor to the star wars story uh, but it's happening outside of the, the canon. You know, it's happening outside of the main plot. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I definitely need to go back and check that one out. Uh, so for me, number two uh, is Rebel Assault. And Rebel Assault was a game that was released in 1993, I think. Um, and that was released on PC, Mac, and I think later it was released on some consoles. I want to say maybe Sega CD. Um, but I actually picked up this game 
a few a few years after it was released as part of this Lucas Arts archive collection, which was this big box that came with like six CDs, CD-ROMs inside of it. It had uh, Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle, Sam and Max Hit the Road, which were some of their popular adventure uh, point-and-click adventure games. Uh, but it also had a couple Star Wars games. So it had Rebel Assault. It had the first three levels of Dark Forces, for some reason, not the full game. Uh, and it, I remember it had a demo disc that had a, a bunch of fantastic LucasArts games back from that golden era of LucasArts. Um, and this game was what they would call a rails shooter. So you don't have full control of the ship that you're in. Uh, the levels are kind of set on rails. So it's kind of like if you're riding a ride at Disney World, you know, you can't really control the path uh, that you're on, but you can definitely control the experience. So you have control over the movement of your ship. Um, you can avoid obstacles. You can control your crosshair so you can aim and fire at enemy ships. Um, but it was fantastic because I, I remember I was just getting into Mac uh, gaming. I didn't have a PC at the time. Uh, and I was just experiencing kind of like CD-ROM driven games. So this game had cutscenes that used actual footage from the films, actual music from the films in the game. And I remember being blown away by kind of having such a cinematic experience within a game. So that's set during A New Hope. I think there's some bleed over into Empire Strikes Back. I think Hoth is in this game. Um, but I just loved being so immersed into the Star Wars universe with all the sounds, all the music, all the cutscenes, just being pulled right from the source material. Um, and there was a lot of variety in this game. So some levels were kind of first person view levels where you're actually in the cockpit of an X-Wing or in the cockpit of a ship. And some of them were third person view levels where you're, the camera is kind of set outside the ship um, and you kind of had to dodge um, asteroids and, and dodge obstacles. It was such a cool game. Uh, there's also a weird level where you're on foot, which I thought was kind of strange. They just kind of like plop that in there. Uh, but overall, you know, this is my number two uh, just because of when, you know, I wouldn't say it's the absolute best Star Wars game of all time, but I think when it hit me in, in my, my gaming journey, my Star Wars journey, it just kind of fell at a good time. Uh, and I just really enjoyed that immersive experience. Have you ever played this one? Uh, no, I've not played this one. I've my friends, uh, uh, when I was younger, they had it. And I remember those guys playing it and they absolutely loved it. I remember that. And I've seen some gameplay on YouTube um, a couple of times. And it does look, it does look like that really uh, just uh, LucasArts went through a phase, didn't they, of, of using these uh, FMV files and hiring real actors and making these proper um, great little cutscenes that they in, slotted in between levels of the games and so on. I think this was... I think this was one of the first games to do that, I believe. And uh, it really made it feel like you were kind of in between, you were sort of playing a film because you had the, yeah, you were playing the levels, obviously, but then you had these cut scenes with proper actors and, and all that stuff. And then you were back into the game. So it really did sort of pull you in and make you feel like you were playing your own film, so to speak. And uh, yeah, so I didn't, I haven't played this one, but it does look very cool. And uh, I read up on uh, some notes on this earlier and apparently you mentioned, yeah, so you mentioned that it's out on the Sega CD and those guys apparently just decided to drop an entire level <laughs> for no apparent reason and just carry on. So apparently chapter seven is just not there. <laughs> so if you've got the Sega CD version, yeah, you're out of luck. So it just skips immediately to, so once you finish chapter six, it goes on to chapter eight, but they just renumber them 
as you went through the game after that. So, uh, and also the Sega CD wasn't that great graphically either. Yeah, compared yeah. to the PC. Yeah. So I would skip it. I would skip it if you uh, if you happen to be dusting off your Sega CD at home. Let's skip this title. <laughs> yeah, give it a miss. But no, it's a good uh, good choice. Number two, it's um, yeah, I can tell you're a fan of the old like you, the, the golden era of uh, Lucas Arts. <laughs> I, I definitely was for sure. Cool. Right, yeah, number two for me uh, is a very popular choice. It's not a bandwagon choice, but I just feel like this really was one of the just one of the best uh, games um, in ter- in terms of storytelling and in terms of, uh, like we've mentioned a couple of times now, about making you feel like outside of canon, you're, you're in a, you're in a, lo- a much larger story uh, bubble and you're, you're contributing in some way. Uh, my number two is Knights of the Old Republic, which was first launched back in the early 2000s, I think. Um, and it was out for most platforms i believe i think it was out on the in terms of consoles it, i think it was an xbox exclusive i think but then it was out on uh pc and mac and then over the years they've released mobile versions you can get it on um ios and android and this was a real kind of shift away from the typical games that we had seen up to this point where it was either side scroller or first person and uh, it kind of felt like this was a real move away because the the style of gameplay it's and and there was a lot of gamers at the time who didn't really understand what type of game this was so this is a very true uh, role playing experience it's not a it's not a run and gun sort of first person uh, battle fast moving thing it, the 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 point of the game is to real is to really pull you in from a story perspective and make you care about your character and the the world that you're in and so on, and um, uh, and it was one of those real early uh, sort of proper character customization and progression games as well. So um, again, in a lot of the previous Star Wars games you played as one character that was designated for you and that was it. So you either played as Karl Katarn or Luke or as somebody and that was it. Whereas in this game, uh, in a similar way to Karl Katarn, actually, it's completely outside of all that. And you you actually, they took it a step further and you actually picked your own character. So you named the character, you you chose the gender and the look and and their their abilities and all that stuff. And then it plopped you into... In in a in the the most fantastic way that that George Lucas plopped us into a story that was already happening back with a new hope, this did the same thing where there's already a big battle going on and the the story is already in mo- in in motion. It drops you into that story and then you just have to sort of go along with it, but then make your own decisions and choices. So uh, again, in a similar way to um, Jedi Knight Two. This was another game that just sucked me in completely. And as soon as I started it and got into it, hours had passed, literally hours and hours. And uh, yeah, and I had to um, have a pee-pee break at some point. Um, but uh, but the, the, the combat was quite skill-based. Uh, so when you ran into um, uh, enemies, uh, until you got your lightsaber, that is, it was very much a case of you just let the the the, the AI of your character and the the enemies kind of duke it out as long as you had a decent skill level and that you aimed in, you know, in, in the appropriate area and so on. And you kept your weapons and stuff. It was, 
a little bit slower in that respect. But as I said, it wasn't about the combat. It was more about the story. And this is a really popular choice. So many gamers um, put this one in their kind of top threes and top fives, a very good reason. And uh, yeah, it's just one that you go back to quite a lot as well. So I think I've played through the, the storyline like three or four times, maybe five times over the years. And uh, yeah, it's just a cracking game. If anyone's not played it, um, I'm not sort of launching any spoilers here because there a lot happens in the game. But um, yeah, it's just a fantastic story and character piece. And uh, once you've played it once, you, you kind of get what people are, are talking about because everyone, you know, bangs on about it all the time. But yeah, it's a fantastic game. So my guilty confession is I'm a lifelong gamer and Star Wars fan, but I've never actually played Knights of the Old Republic. And I think part of the reason was I didn't have an Xbox. I didn't have the original Xbox or a strong PC at the time of release. But the game is on so many platforms now. I think you said mobile too. I know it's on Android. Uh, I have no excuse not to play this game. And I know that um, they recently said that they might be doing a film series uh, based on this uh, this era of, of the Star Wars universe. So I think I need to jump in and play this one for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was um, I was surprised to see that you've, you'd not played it before, but not not in a way that, you know, rolling my eyes. It was just a case of, okay, you, yeah, this is something that you, you need to check out at some point just because with if it is true that, they are making a film trilogy around this time period. It would be cool to have a little bit of a of an intro to that period, if you like. Um, and it's got some really cool characters as well. If they do make a film out of it, then a couple of really like the the main protagonist uh, is uh, a Sith, uh, Dark Mal- uh, Darth Malak, and he's a really powerful Sith. He's uh, basically Darth Raven's former um, apprentice. And he essentially launches an, a, a huge attack on the Republic. At the, at the, that's the whole point of the game. And he's, he launches such a big attack that the the Jedi are kind of scattered throughout the galaxy and very, almost in hiding, they're very vulnerable. They can't just fight back immediately because his forces are so strong. And so it's about a little bit of undercover work, a little bit of exploration, trying to sort of be clever rather than use sort of brute force and lightsabers. So um, yes, that's my number two. Okay, so my number three is by no means a good game. In fact, <laughs> most people will say it is it is easily one of the worst Star Wars games ever made. Um, and that is a game called Star Wars Masters of Terras Kasi. It was released. It was released uh, for the original PlayStation. So PlayStation One, I believe. I want to say maybe 1997. Um, so, you know, late 1990s, very early 3D. Uh, style game game for the PlayStation and this was a fighting game very much like uh, the 3D Street Fighters or Tekken um, or some of the other games that were released around this time Um, you know why it took them this long to consider that a fighting game might be worthwhile for a Star Wars game I'm not sure uh, because you know there are very famous characters and you just throw them into a kind of a, an arena tournament style fighting game. And it just seems to make sense. The execution, however, is very, very poor. <laughs> so this game is not very enjoyable to play. Um, <laughs> but it just kind of encapsulates this, uh, this early 3d time period that I really appreciated. I really did love the Nintendo 64 PlayStation era of gaming, uh, where developers were trying to make the leap from from 2D gaming to 3D gaming, and some did it very successfully, and some did it very poorly. Um, and they were experimenting with 
very famous franchises, you know, such as the Star Wars franchise. So I believe that this is actually Lucas, uh, LucasArts, their first 3D Star Wars game released on PlayStation, um, not their last. Uh, so it definitely shows that they're kind of learning the technology a little bit. Uh, but yeah, there's a couple things here that I thought was really um, interesting choices for, for the game. It takes place between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. So I, I stole this directly from Wikipedia, but the plot of the game uh, the Emperor, after the destruction of the Death Star, the Emperor recruits the services of the mysterious assassin Arden Lin to eliminate the Alliance's key members. Luke and the others discover the Empire's plot and challenge Arden face-to-face in the art of Terrace and unarmed combat discipline. So, you know, if you're familiar with Star Wars lore, uh, you're familiar with Terrace Kasi. Uh, it actually it comes up in Solo. So if you're not familiar with the lore, you know, it's referenced a few times in Solo, actually. Um, the the initial playable characters that you can choose in this fighting game, you have Luke, Han, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, uh, Boba Fett. And then you have some interesting choices like Arden Lin, uh, who's a new character created just for the game, I believe. Uh, you can choose to be a Tusken Raider or you can choose to be uh, Thok, who is in a Gamorrean guard. Um, so you have all these interesting characters that you can choose to be uh, in this in this fighting game where you're fighting hand-to-hand combat. Um, but there's uh, one reason why I really appreciated this game at the time. I've always been a big fan of the Timothy Zahn books, um, obviously. And, uh, you know, ever since I read Heir to the Empire, you know, it's just been a huge... Um, staple of of star wars lore for me the thrawn trilogy and uh you can unlock mara jade in this game which i thought was really really cool so you could tell that this game was developed even though the game is not good you can tell that it was developed with love by star wars fans uh star wars fans who really appreciated the lore and uh jodo cost uh who is another character um who i don't know too much about but i know that he uh he kind of impersonates Boba Fett. So I think after Boba Fett um, uh, dies, spoiler alert, um, he is a Mandalorian. He, he dresses like a Mandalorian and, and he kind of impersonates Boba Fett. So I don't know too much about his story, but uh, he's an unlockable character as well. You can also unlock Darth Vader. You can unlock a Stormtrooper. There's a lot of cool unlockables in this game. Uh, the actual arena scenes were all pulled from, from the films. Uh, so that was kind of interesting too. But again, Terrible game. I don't know why it's in my top three. Uh, I, I like bad things. I like bad movies, you know, like old 80s movies that are really kind of B movies. So this kind of falls in with that. Um, so I'm going to assume that you haven't played this game and I'm going to recommend that if you haven't played this game to avoid it at all costs. <laughs> I th- Do you know what, Tom? I think you've you've actually sold it in the best way possible that not many people have done before, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um yeah, so I've, I'm aware I've not played it. You are, you are correct. I've, I've not played this one. And yeah, I was really surprised to see this in your top three. But now that you've explained your reasons for, for liking it, you, you can kind of see what LucasArts were trying to achieve here. If you take away the game mechanics and the actual playability of, you know, because they're going in the beat-em-up space in gaming, there's, there's obviously two very popular franchises that they rule the roost if you like so i'm not saying that lucas arts were trying to make a, a genre masterpiece and go up against street fighter or mortal Kombat. but the mechanics aside uh, there are some really good little snippets in here so the characters that you mentioned are very very cool so mara jade is a character that fans have been screaming for 
in in lots of medium outside of the films because they think that she's a very cool character, and rightly so. And uh, Jello Cast is another interesting guy uh, who who looks pretty much the same as as Boba Fett. He dresses, you know, in the same armor and all that stuff. So you can tell that they've, like you said, they've they've developed this with love. They've tried to do stuff that you wouldn't necessarily see in a mainstream, uh, well, in a in a popular game that's marketed. Uh, to everybody because obviously the first person shooter space at this point would have been very popular and so on so it's not just a case of we're going to make you play as a stormtrooper or as princess leia or chewy or something like that they've actually thrown some other characters in here that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see i imagine when the game first launched a lot of people were like holy crap mara jade's in this game that's very cool and so I, i can see your reasons why You've put it in there, but it's a bit of. It, 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 I was very surprised. It's an odd, it's an odd one to have in your top three. But fair play if you're into, like you said, you know, poor games and poor movies and stuff. This is probably your cup of tea. Nice one. Uh, my number three uh, is uh, a bit of a uh, a common one. It's it's a lot of people like this one. They don't love it. They don't hate it. But it's a uh, it's one that's a staple that's just been here for years. And that, for me, is Lego Star Wars, the complete saga. And the reason why I've chosen this particular Lego game, I think this was out in the mid-2000, 2006 or something like that. Uh, it was a really cool follow-up, uh, or a sort of an amalgamation of the, the previous two games that had come out already. So uh, prior to this, we had uh, Lego Star Wars, and it was just called that, Lego Star Wars. And it was the... I think it was the first or the prequels, I believe. I think it focused on the prequels. And then a little while after that, they brought out Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy, which, as the name suggests, was episodes four to six. And then a few years after that, they sort of mushed it all together and you had this complete game. And what's cool about that is you can there was a re-release of the Harry Potter Lego games a year or so ago. They sort of remastered them a little bit. And it's called the Harry Potter Collection. But the problem with those, I mean, they're very cool, but the problem with those is they they kept the two releases separate. So when you first boot up the game, it gives you a, a, a left or right. You, sort of, you go left to go into the first game or right into the second game, and there, there's a distinct separation between the two. Whereas with the complete saga, every single level and every, um, every world, every sort of, uh, route that you take throughout throughout the game is all linked together from one hub so you can just pop the game in and then you've got the the entire six films to explore and uh, the reason for me anyway why why the lego games are so enjoyable is because they don't they they take risks with the with some of the scenes that they've plucked from the films so in some of the films where you've got potentially a, a serious scene in in the Lego game equivalent. It, it's very funny and it's lighthearted and for obvious reasons, because I, I assume that they're targeted at a younger audience predominantly, but they, the Lego games have just completely taken on board their own, uh, along with the visual style, their own kind of vibe that they've pulled from the film. So all the visuals are there and all the sound effects and the music is, you know, it's on point just like, you know, a lot of the other star Wars games. But um, the just the whole vibe and, and atmosphere, it's got that cuteness to it, I think is the best way to describe it. it. It it doesn't take itself too seriously. Even some of the, like I said, some of the more serious scenes within the the films, 
in the Lego games that they're just completely uh, um, just toilet humor sometimes. And it, it just makes you crack up in a way that you wouldn't expect because of the, the flip in the, in the atmosphere. And also um, they're just extremely addictive as well. They have this system within all of the Lego games, I think, where as you go through the levels, you're not just progressing through the storyline, you're actually just kicking the crap out of everything in the level as well. So all of the um, sets and little nuggets and things that are just around, you can just destroy or collect all these studs. And then that gives you like a power up or something as you go through. It gives you like a complete, I think it's like, I think it's called complete Jedi. Once you get all the studs for a particular level. And then once you finish the game, you then get to go back and then you can choose your own characters and then you can access bits of the game that you couldn't as you played through it. So as you were playing through each level, there might be like a, a ledge up somewhere that you can't get to because you need to use like the dark force power, but you haven't got that character yet until you've completed the game. So once you've completed it, you go back and do free play. You then enable a character that has got that ability and you can get all these extra stuff. So it's a huge game. It takes ages to get through. And then the replay value is really cool, but yeah, I just love the charm and the atmosphere in these Lego games. And I absolutely cannot wait for the new one that's out next year, I believe, um, the complete Skywalker saga. So that's that looks just amazing. But I think this one for now is just brilliant. And I, I, I love the, the Lego games. Do these float your boat, Tom? They definitely do. I think that tongue-in-cheek kind of humor that you see throughout the games, as you mentioned, is really, really enjoyable. Uh, I remember picking up a few of these i haven't played that that entire collection but i picked up a few of the individual ones um i have a younger brother who is very into the gamecube and Wii era of of gaming and i I played through a couple with him but yeah i'm most excited for the entire skywalker saga uh lego star wars the skywalker saga i think that it's going to be really awesome to be able to experience the full thread of narrative um all in one go especially with kind of like you know, we discussed this, this humor, this Lego humor, um, and creativity throughout. So yeah, this is a great selection for sure. Yes. And it's also one of the earlier Lego games that had the non speaking, uh, parts as well. So some of the feedback that it's a really surprising feedback as well, that some of the more recent Lego games is so in the, in the early ones, when the characters are interacting with each other, they don't talk. They, they just go like, Hmm, like these little strange little sounds that they make. And they ditched that um, a couple of years ago and they started to pick up dialogue from the films and use those in the games. And uh, yeah, it's a surprising one. A lot of fans are like, oh, we don't want that. We want the we want the old-fashioned little grunts and little strange sounds. So yeah, this game definitely has that. It's got very cute, like you said, tongue-in-cheek uh, humour. So yes, I think you can pick this up for... I know it's on the... It was a sort of a previous gen game. So it's Xbox 360, PS3, those days. But you can get it on um, PC and mobile and stuff. So, yes, and I think you can get it on Mac, I'm pretty sure. Or you can get one of them on Mac anyway. But that's my number three, Lego Lego Star Wars, uh, The Complete Saga. And just a very few, very quick honorable mentions from me. Um, My GameCube, GameCube days... Uh, were awesome and one of the first games I got for that was Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader which was amazing it was a uh, it was a flight sim um, sort of third person uh, and the levels were amazing I, I was really impressed when I got my GameCube but for some reason the graphics just 
yeah, there was a, a fluidity to the, the graphics that I just loved about the GameCube and having a Star Wars game uh, for that was awesome. Uh, also, um, like you, uh, Super Star Wars uh, for the SNES. Uh, a game called Republic Commando for the first Xbox was really good. It was like a, a squad-based tactical shooter. That was an awesome game. If anyone hasn't checked that out, I think you might be able to get it on the Xbox backwards compatibility thing. If you go onto the the, the, the store for that, I think you can get it through there. And also Battlefront 2. Uh, we haven't spoken about any of the recent Battlefronts, um, but I think Battlefront 2 now, in its current state, is a very, very good game and, and far different from when it launched a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, do you play any of the... Do you play uh, the newer stuff, Tom? Yeah, so I did play the most recent uh, Battlefronts, and I, I did enjoy it, uh, but not as much as the original Battlefront for I believe the Xbox, right? So I remember playing that in a college dorm uh, with with a bunch of friends and just having a ton of fun with that one. Um, you know, I will give one quick honorable mention because I've mentioned all kind of retro video games, but I really enjoyed The Force Unleashed uh, on the Xbox 360 as kind of a single player experience, you know, kind of a story driven experience and being able to kind of manipulate certain force powers, uh, in this 3d space on kind of at that time, you know, a next gen console was a lot of fun. That game actually is why I'm, I have a lot of high hopes, um, for Jedi fallen order, uh, because it seems like there's a lot of similar elements that they're going to pull from there. Uh, but yeah, I, I've played a, a few recent star Wars games, uh, and I'm always looking forward to, to the new ones that are coming out too. Yeah, the first um, Force Unleashed game was very good. Really, really cool. And uh, that was modeled on uh, Sam Witwer, I think. Is it Sam Witwer? Yeah. Uh, Sam Witwer is a really cool uh, voice artist for some of the, uh, did, um, the Star Wars Rebels. Um, he had a couple of small parts in there, but his um, voice acting for the Emperor in um, the Clone Wars animated series is spot it, it, it's absolutely spot on i don't know if you know this or have seen it but yeah his voice acting is just amazing for star wars i've never made that connection so i'll have to go back and, and check that out uh, oh dude it's um yeah sam whitway he does a load of voices but predominantly the emperor you'll be hard pushed to find the difference between his version and uh, uh, uh um uh voice his actual voice in the film it's just amazing he's really cool uh, but yeah the force unleashed uh, the video game uh, was that out on the original oh no it was a 360 i think i had it on the 360 yeah um i didn't play the second one though is that any good i did not play the second one either which is surprising mm. because i really did enjoy that first one mm. yeah very cool uh right yeah that's our top threes uh some awesome games uh that we've mentioned there a massive nostalgia hit i have to say as well it really makes me want to um dig out all of my old uh discs uh, and and stick those on so um yeah thank you for wasting another 50 odd hours of my life over the next few months with old star wars games um same here uh, same here because i might pick up knights of the old republic and that's gonna you know eat up a nice chunk of my time too so uh, i will do yeah for sure <laughs> uh rightio uh random spotlight time I'm going to keep this really quick uh, because I know we're kind of running up on time here, but my random spotlight is video game related. Uh, it's probably one of the most random, lesser heard of Star Wars games that was released. Um, and you might have said, well, 
you, you might be thinking you've already mentioned that with Masters of Terrace Kasi for the PlayStation, but this one is actually a little bit more um, lesser known, and that is Yoda Stories. Uh, have you ever heard of this game? I have heard of it, yes. Okay, so yeah. Yoda Stories is an interesting one. It was released in 1997 for the PC, and it was released as part of this series that LucasArts put out called the Desktop Adventures, uh, which started out with an Indiana Jones game. So it was this top-down adventure game. You would just pop open a very small window, small pane on your uh, Windows PC, and you would go on these adventures where you played as Luke. If I remember correctly, you could only play as Luke. Uh, The style of the game, it looked kind of like a Legend of Zelda title. It was was top-down, you know, set in different areas, uh, like, like Dagobah, for example. And you would go in these very simple fetch quests where it would just be like, go find Yoda. And then you would find Yoda and it would say, go do this thing. And you would go do that thing. Uh, find items, kill enemies. Very, very basic. But the idea here was that it was these short kind of snackable experiences that you could have. Uh, I want to say anywhere between five and 15 minutes, you can just kind of pop it open and complete just a very minor mission. But the problem with this game was that even though it was called Yoda Stories, there was really no plot to it whatsoever. You know, it was just these very mundane kind of fetch quests uh, type of experiences. And I think that if they were to do this right in today's kind of mobile game gaming world where there is a space in the gaming market for really short snackable experiences if they were able to do this right and actually have some good lore and some good story uh and plot to it um i think that something like this you know it was a you know kind of ahead of its time uh but but poorly executed but it could be really really interesting to see if they attempted to do something like this maybe for mobile or for nintendo switch uh, or even for pc but it's very familiar uh very it reminded me very much of like minesweeper and solitaire and you know these really short little gaming experiences experiences that you would have on your pc uh but yeah it's an interesting one i i don't know if you can find it or play it you know maybe check out just a quick youtube video just to see it to know that it existed um but i would love to see uh, rather than a long, you know, RPG from the Star Wars universe or, you know, a service-based game like like Battlefront that's you know, multiplayer and you play for hours and hours and hours. I'd, I'd love to see like little snackable experiences that you can have, whether it's on your mobile device or a, a, a console like Switch. Yeah, it's an interesting one, this. Um, I think uh, when I saw this on your list, I went off and watched a couple of YouTube videos on it. And you're right, it's very Zelda, top-down um, little fun little quests there's like you said there's no story and i think when i read some other notes on it uh, a load of fans were pissed off because they thought it was a full-blown proper star wars game and then when they installed it it was literally um as the name suggests just a quick desktop time killer a bit like solitaire uh, and also they were uh, equally pissed off that yoda wasn't a playable character uh, yoda does pop up but just issues commands for luke to go off and find these things and and that is it you can't actually play as Loda, but uh, as Yoda, sorry. But I think as a as a very quick time killer, uh, I think it's it's a very cool idea. Um, yeah, and if they could, yeah, I, I see this working very well on mobile. I think, um, but who knows? Uh, but I love the cover. I, I think that the for some reason the cover just does it for me. It's an awesome thing, and they also released it for the Game Boy Color. So if you've got one of those in the loft or the attic, you might be able to 
to pick up there. But a cool um, random spotlight, Tom. I'd, I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen any gameplay or anything. So, um, yeah, it's a quirky little one. Uh, there we go. I think we're going to stick a pin in it there for episode 15. It's been awesome having you on the show, Tom, uh, talking through Star Wars games. It's uh, really cool just to dig into your top three and get into your mind a little bit on all that stuff. Uh, so thank you so much for making the time to, uh, to jump on and talk Star Wars, dude. Yeah, totally. It's been a lot of fun. And if you're listening out there and you have gaming memories of Star Wars, definitely reach out uh, to, to Mark and Gary and kind of share those. Because I, I would actually love to hear other people's memories and stories and top threes. Uh, so, you know, maybe reach out on you know instagram i know you guys are on twitter as well indeed thank you very much and thank you so much for supporting our show it's really great to have you on as a, a patron and uh yeah just thank you for contributing and making sure we're putting out great content uh, every week so um yeah thank you so much tom it's been it's been very very cool of course uh where can people find you out in the wild in case they want to tweet you about star wars games yeah, so my personal Twitter uh, account is TNRT. Uh, so it's just kind of my initials there, at TNRT. Uh, but I do have a, a podcast, a video game podcast. So if video games are very much your thing, uh, you can check out the Power Time podcast. It's powertimepodcast.com. And it is a Nintendo podcast that focuses solely on retro video games. Uh, so we go way back to the uh, 1980s and early 1990s, and we talk a lot about the history of Nintendo around that time and a lot of the specific games. Awesome stuff. Great. Uh, okay, so that's going to wrap for 15. We will see you next week for episode uh, 16. Uh, in the meantime, head over to any of the podcast apps of choice. Uh, find us on there. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. We're on most of those networks. So give us a, a like and a subscribe there. And if you've got two minutes, uh, to leave a review that would be really cool because that really helps us out loads and loads or you can check us out on our swanky new website as part of captivate.fm if you just head over to sparkofrebellion.com all of our episodes on there and as Tom said we're also on all of these socials so if you want to let us know about your Star Wars games um, or anything to do with Star Wars just hit us up we chat plenty of that stuff uh, throughout the week uh, so to uh, say a final goodbye to Tom thank you very much mate you got it yeah it's been a pleasure and we will see you next time. So take care of yourselves and may the force be with you always.